Hi, it's Frank at Frank Bible Truth. Let me be frank with you once again today. I want to talk today about one of the most famous Bible verses in the entire Bible. We've all heard of it or seen it. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why has this verse captured the hearts of so many? Why is this verse on the signs in the crowd instead of some other verse? In order to understand that, we must go back a few verses to capture the context of the discussion that led to this verse. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him. Now this man, we're going to call Nick at night. He came to Jesus. Notice that he didn't ask Jesus a question. And yet Jesus answered him. Jesus knew why Nick had come. He was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, one schooled in scriptures and a leader in the church. The question that Nicodemus never asked, but Jesus answered, can be surmised by Jesus' response in verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The question, what must happen in order for me to see the kingdom of God, for me to experience the promise of eternal life? Jesus then tells Nick that to join him in his kingdom, Nicodemus would have to be born again. Jesus was talking spiritually, but Nicodemus is thinking physically. Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus and us that we cannot enter the kingdom of God in our current condition. We are born enemies of God, followers of Satan and worshipers of ourselves. We don't become sinners, we're born under that curse. You and I, as descendants of Adam and Eve, were born without the Spirit of God. From the moment they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all mankind died spiritually. The punishment for our sins was separation from God. He's a spiritual being and we're not, at least not yet. Jesus tells Nicodemus that we need a do-over. We need a mulligan. We need to go back and be born again. Not physically, we need to be born again spiritually. We need to be born of God. But how does that happen? So Jesus continues. We must solve the sin problem that we've caused, but we can't do it. There's absolutely nothing that we can do about the fact that we were born spiritually dead. If we're to become spiritual beings in a right relationship with God, then God has to do it because we're helpless to help ourselves or anyone else for that matter. John 3, 5 through 6. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus says we must be born of the Spirit. Spiritual beings, all those who will live in the spiritual heaven of God, must be born spiritually. But why would God help us? We've been rebelling against him since our first breath. A just God should punish us, not save us. Why would God leave his throne in heaven, come to earth to help us obtain spiritual life? Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born again. And Nicodemus wants to know how that works exactly. Then when he begins to understand what Jesus is saying, 
Jesus goes to Nicodemus's next question. Why would God do that? Why would God want to give us a second chance when we clearly don't deserve it? Then the verse that we all know. Why would God come? Why would God offer us a way out? Well, it turns out that there's only one reason. God so loves us. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want us to remember four key components of this verse. The first is that God so loved the world. Interesting that Jesus didn't just say God loved the world. He said God so loved the world. That word so changes everything. It means God loves us in a manner that is over the top, more than we can imagine, deeper than we've ever known. God so loved the world. His love for us, even in our sinful flesh, even in our spiritually dead life, is over the moon. Jesus says that he was sent to earth on a rescue mission for really only one reason. Only one thing keeps God from destroying us and starting over or giving up on us. He loves us. He so loves us. So the first point, God loves. Now we have many ways of showing love to those that we love, but let me ask you a question. If you were given something of great value, if you inherited a great deal of money, or if you earned a lot of money, who would you share it with? Well, most likely you'd share it with the people you love. And you'd probably share it in proportion to how deeply you love them. The absolute most valuable thing that you have, you would give to the person you love the most. We give to those we love, and we give the best to those we love the most. The most valuable gift that God has is the gift of himself the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, and God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the most valuable thing he could give because he loves us so much. He came and gave himself as a sacrifice to pay for the punishment of our sins. God, as a just God, demands justice. He can't ignore our sins. They have to be punished. There must be a punishment or God's not just. So God says, I love you so much, I decided to punish myself for you. That's my gift. My gift is me and my death and my punishment in your place. You should suffer and die, that's what's just. But in my love, I'm taking your place. So we get to the second point, God love and God gives. And then Jesus tells us that whoever believes in him now there's a difference between intellectual belief that we reach with our heads and the belief of trust that comes from our heart. Jesus is not telling us that we will believe in him by gaining knowledge. The belief that he requires for our salvation is that of absolute trust in him, a trust that has to come from our heart. What are we trusting? That Jesus is who he says he is and he does what he says he would do. We understand that Jesus is God and on that day in history, a day just like today, he was punished and died because he took our place under the righteous and measured wrath of God. Such punishment kills all of us, but Jesus took the punishment and he overcame death and he came out of the tomb reborn. The truth is that every human either believes that moment in history happened or they don't. Change it at all and you don't receive eternal life. God gave us the gift of salvation. Remember, God loves, God gave. 
But a gift is not really a gift until someone opens it, right? I mean, God offers this gift to us, but we must choose what we will do with it. If we believe and trust, then we can receive the gift. That's our third point. God loved, God gave, and now I believe. Once Jesus said from the cross that it's finished, and once he resurrected back to life, his mission on earth was done. God loved and God gave. From that point on, everything is left up to us. We must choose to believe to trust from our hearts. What are we trusting? That everything Jesus did really happened, and that everything he promises to do will really happen. What's the promise to come? Jesus tells us that we will one day come to a judgment day. On that day, there will be only one question to answer. It's the same question that Pontius Pilate asked the crowd when Jesus was brought to him by the Jewish leaders. We read it in Matthew 27, 22. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And they said, let him be crucified. And he said, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. On judgment day, our one question, what did you do with Jesus? Did you allow him to take your place and suffer for you, die for you, and overcome death for you? Or did you reject his gift and now must face God's wrath for your sins by yourself for all of eternity? It was never enough for you and I that Jesus went to the cross, died, and resurrected. We must believe it and receive it. And that's our fourth point. I receive the promise that Jesus offers to me that on judgment day, he will already have paid for my sins. God loves, God gave. I believe, I receive. So Nicodemus says, how can someone experience the spiritual kingdom to come? They, you, me, everyone must choose to believe and then receive. Simple question, simple answer. That is why John's 3.16 is the best known verse in the Bible. It reveals the answer to the ultimate question of life. My prayer is that you have thought about this quite a bit in your life, that you've come to realize that God loves and God gave, and you've come to believe, to trust in Jesus, and you've received the gift of eternal life that he offers you. We're praying for you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you in the next video. 